1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: we continue on tuesday afternoon on sports 1440 the Jason Greger Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, your digital home for online game and excitement, including casinos, live dealer, lottery, instance, and sports betting. Sign up today at PlayAlberta.ca. And uh, we welcome to the show our regular Tuesday co-host, a uh, former NHLer. Of course, he was a first-round selection of the Boston Bruins, uh, went on to play for the Orders. Uh, and the Bruins and the uh, the Devils and played in Europe for many years. Uh, he's been uh, AJHL head coach and general manager. Sean Brown joins us. And also, I'll say this right now. Sean Brown shows up with homemade banana bread which I think is probably one of the greatest troll jobs considering Strutty is going to be on later today. This is unbelievable, Brownie. This
3: is like a great entrance. Yeah. Do I know how to suck up to my boss? Oh, um, man. Like,
2: look at this. Like, this yeah. is a big loaf, man. Like, look at that. I'm showing it on the YouTube on uh, Orders Nation if you want to yeah. see it. That thing is massive. Like, I can't wait. Saran wrap. I love banana bread. I, did, did, you, did you make this? Or no, no I wife? was just
3: going to say I wish I could take credit for that, but that was all my wife, oh, and right. I guarantee you, you will enjoy it. I'm actually looking forward to having some with
2: you. Okay, I love it. So, uh, right away, we're off to a good start because, uh, you're a fan of, uh, of banana bread, which is great. And, uh, Stretty, for whatever reason, uh, isn't. So, for, for our audience who, um, You know, I always like I think it's important for audience to get to know backgrounds of guys a little bit. So, you know, Brownie, you were uh, well, you still you might skate as fast now as when you played. And that's not <laughs> a knock saying you were slow, like you're in really good shape. And I see, you know, the alumni skates and there's Brownie flying by guys. And uh, they joke that you're one of the younger guys, even though you're not that young. You're just a really good skater. Where did the where did the speed come from when you look back?
3: I'm not sure. Um, you know, the game has changed so much from when I played, uh, especially all the extra development uh, and ice time opportunities that kids uh, take advantage of now. Um, as a, as uh, growing up in Oshawa with my family, we just we never did anything extra. Uh, played baseball uh, about a week before uh, tryouts. My dad uh, would take us down to Harmon Park. Uh, Hank Nowak, I don't know if that name rings a bell with many people but he's an old uh, Boston brewer that used to run camps in Oshawa Okay, and uh, I'd go down my dad would take us uh, me and my brother down there and it was always funny because uh, my dad would come down there with a case of beer (laughs) and uh, he'd be like Hank will you take my two boys and so he always took that case of beer and obviously they had a good time down in the coach's room but that was the extent of our development Um, you know uh, so I think a lot of it was just a lot of uh I'm assuming natural ability and talent. I think a lot of the speed and strength probably comes as you, as you mature and you get older, you spend more time in the gym. Uh, You know, your legs get strong, you get more explosive, you get exposed to, to better training as you get up to the better levels of hockey. Uh, But to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't put any time into development, my development for me was going to play shinny hockey. Yeah, which is really good, though. There's nothing wrong. That's how you develop. You, you learn a lot. Like, yeah. you, kids learn so much in an uncontrolled setting. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was, you know, year after year, just looking forward to playing shinny without anyone telling me what I can and cannot do. Um, so being able to, you know, one of the things I always wanted to work on was my hands and my playmaking ability. Um, you know, and I, I got all that just through playing shinny at, uh, uh, in a place uh, in Pickering. Were
2: you always a defenseman?
3: No, I was a forward uh, growing up, I think, till around PBA, I'm not too sure why I was actually switched back um, to a defenseman. Um, I don't know if it was my size or maybe my aggression uh, but for whatever reason, the coach decided to put me back there. Um, Did you
2: like it when you think back? Like, were you happy about the move?
3: I think so. I mean, okay. at that time, you didn't question anything, okay. right? My dad wasn't going to question anything. My dad played house league, just to hockey, you know, loved hockey, put us in the sport just to, to play and, yep. you know, learn all the the life lessons of the sport. So um, when I went back there, I, I don't remember it being, you know, a ba- obviously it wasn't a bad experience. Um, I think that probably at a time where being aggressive in hockey, um, you know, probably benefited me, and probably at that time too, it was big, yeah. tough, rough, yeah, solid defenseman, right? So, um, you know, for whatever reason, I was back there and, and stayed back there.
2: Sean Brown joins us. He is our uh, weekly Tuesday co-host here on uh, Sports fourteen forty. I'm Jason Gregor. So, you know what? At what age? Did you or did your parents and you look say, geez, you know, like he's pretty good at this game. Like <laughs> may- maybe we have to, you know, consider, you know, somebody to talk to to cause it, you know, if your dad played the game, then maybe he knew much about it. Or did you just kind of, you know, just go to the o- OHL, drafted you? So you're like, all right, I guess I'm going there.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, sh- yeah, I just came back from. You know, being back home, my parents had their 50th anniversary We, oh, okay. nice. um, Yeah, and we had a big family reunion as well over the long weekend. And I was, you know, thinking back, I got asked that question. And, you know, I played bantam. And I think I had, talking to my dad and, you know, just kind of reminiscing, I had a really good bantam year. And um, one of the things that the local Oshawa Legionnaires, who are no longer there, uh, and the Oshawa Generals would do, was reach out to local kids and give them opportunities, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, create that relationship I'm assuming with minor hockey. Um, and so, um, there was a couple of guys that got some opportunities that my dad felt like I should have got an opportunity. Okay. Um, and so. I didn't know that he was doing this, but my dad's a, my dad loves singing, just loves singing. Singing, okay. Yeah, and um, we live really close to it, what's well, closed now, but there was a popular bar called the Tartan. uh was just behind the woods behind my house, okay. and so some of his friends would play there, and it just so happened that um, just before tryouts, uh, Mr. Bricknell uh, and his group were playing there, so my dad went up there to have a couple beers and was just, he brought my stats, I guess, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, they're, they're having a couple beers. He, you know, I'm assuming he got him, you know, feeling pretty good about himself before he brought the question up. But it was, it was just one of those things my dad said, like, Hey, you know, these guys are getting an opportunity. My son's got better numbers, you know, why and what does he have to do? And what can I, what can he do to get this opportunity? And that was my break. Um, you know, my dad came home and I think I had tryouts within a couple of days and my dad was like, "Hey, this is your break. Um, you know, it's uh, they don't know who you are, um, and you got to do something right away to get involved." And, and you're what, your-
2: like fourteen? At this yeah. Time. Okay.
3: And so, <laughs> I remember the green F one hundred and fifty at the old Civic Auditorium. Uh, him dropping me off, and I and I walked down the stairs. I was, you know, I'm like, "Where am I going?" He's like, "Mister uh, Mister Vipon's down there. Look for him." I was like, okay. <laughs> I walked out and looked for Mr. Vipon, and they signed me up, and I go in there, and I guess I was doing some things that caught their eye, and uh, uh, Gilly Hughes and um, the coaching staff, I guess at some point, my dad was walking out, and, uh, and uh, so Gilly chased my dad down and was like, hey, Mr. Brown, uh, you know your boy, he's, he's, he's doing really well. I like him. And uh, and then just everything just kind of happened from there. Um, I wind up making the team. My dad, to be honest with you, um, I was I, <clears throat> I struggle that um, my weight. I was very you know tall but lean and slender. Okay. I probably could have used another year of hockey playing midget. Yeah. But him being probably as cheap as he is, <laughs> and had an opportunity for me to. To play at a level where he didn't have to pay. I got two older brothers, too. Okay. Right? So he was like, man, hey, if you can play junior, you're playing junior. Yeah, they're on
2: your sticks. They're <laughs> paying for the I tape. It's great.
3: I don't care how big you are. And so I wind up playing. Uh, I wind up making the junior team. Uh I think I only played like 15 games or something like that because I broke my collarbone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I wind up coming back. I wind up breaking my other color, collarbone. So it wasn't an overall great year. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the other things that really helped me, too, is when I went to the Oshawa Generals, I also went to the Generals camp as well. And I did really well, and they didn't really have me on the radar. And so when I was back in Oshawa, I went back to see Derek Laxstall, who I was involved with, with the Oil Kings. He's now coaching yeah. the Generals there. And I ran into Brian Boyes-Chetto, who's the long time He's been the, he's been the Generals trainer forever, And uh, so I was, I'm a huge generals fan, obviously growing up watching them. So I went in there and I was talking to him and I wasn't even sure he was going to remember me. And uh, he was like, you know, happy to see me. And he's like, Sean, I remember you. I remember you coming to camp and we wanted you. Uh, We wanted to keep you, but you weren't, I wasn't drafted. No one knew about me. Uh, so they they thought by putting me down and playing junior B... In that, Wellington? Uh, no, that was the next year. This is okay. in Oshawa. So they okay. thought by putting me down there, they would kind of hide me a little bit. But I guess I did well enough through, you know, the 15 games that I played in junior B. Maybe someone seen me in Oshawa. But the next year, I wind up getting drafted by uh, by the Belleville Bulls, Larry Maverty. And uh, once again... I missed a lot of my development uh, throughout that season because I was hurt. Um, so I was able to, to put on some weight. I remember I wasn't a big cook, um, <laughs> but I remember eating craft uh, dinner every morning. Right, craft just try dinner. Yeah, every morning. Just, just
2: because you're trying to gain. Weight. I
3: was just trying to put on weight. Anything I could do, right? <laughs> but like
2: no eggs or anything. Well, I
3: would eat on top of that. Yeah, oh, big okay. breakfast guy, but I okay. was eating whatever I could, and craft dinner was pretty easy to make. Obviously, yeah, I know that's right? fair. Yeah. 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 so I was able to put on some weight, and uh, you know, when I went to uh, Belvo's camp, uh, I had a pretty good camp. I had an old school coach and Larry Mavity, who loved his guys that were rough and would get involved. Uh, and he seen something in me. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't quite ready in his eyes to play, but I did enough for him to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna affiliate you with Wellington." Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where the Dukes come in. So I wind up playing quite a few games in Wellington, and then playing some games in Belleville. And I guess bringing it back to the question of like, hey, well, you know, what went off or what was it when you actually thought that maybe I had a chance? I think one of my big breaks was fighting uh, Brett Lindros. Really? That's that's when my dad came to me because obviously he was up in the stands watching, and and I fought him. He was a big guy, obviously, oh, yeah, like his huge. brother. Like he yeah. was, you know, he was pretty physical, running guys over, and not a whole lot of guys wanted much to do with him. But me being young and just trying to get involved and and get on a team and. Uh, Showed to my coach and my teammates that I had value. I wind up fighting them, and I remember coming out after the game, and my dad just smiling year to year, and he's like, "They were talking about you, and get I've,
2: noticed." It's one of the th- things, right? It's hard nowadays because th- there's not that element for players. If if you're a big physical guy, you got to be physical, but yeah. you know, and and it takes courage though. Like you look back on it, you got to you know to, to to be willing to want to throw down when you're 16 is not easy.
3: <laughs> yeah, you it's. It's really tough. You know, it's it's, it's funny. Uh, we're talking about this right now because I have a son that's playing in Okotoks. He's playing junior. Yes. And uh, he actually, uh, on the way to the wedding, which we one of the reasons why we went back to Ontario, we're driving down the uh, 401 and my wife's got his exhibition game on her phone. And uh, he gets in a fight. Oh. And he's been wanting...
4: You know, I think
3: he's, you know, he's a young, he's trying to cut his teeth. He's trying to figure out, you know, where he is and what's, you know, he's trying to carve his own path. Not that that's definitely not his path, but he did say and asked me in the summer to teach him how to fight. And, uh, knowing that side of it, been through it, it's obviously not something I'd want my kid or any kid to be honest with you to go down that road. So I just was like, right. That's no one has ever come up to me and said how tough you are everything is about your skill and yeah. your ability and I'm telling you if, if I could do it again and I think a lot of guys if you could play a skilled game, it'd be a lot of, you'd have a, a better afternoon sleep than what I did oh, okay um so but it was in a system I think he wanted to try and see so anyway he, he wind up getting in uh, he wind up getting in a fight you know and uh, he, he did well he didn't get hurt obviously you know it was good the other kid didn't get hurt and you know he was excited talking about it. Um, you know, I, I I'm hoping this is out of his system. He's sus- <laughs> he's suspended for two games. Oh um, yeah. he got suspended because it was a second fight. Oh, um, okay. you know, but it it isn't a part of the game. Um, it's changing. It's still, you know, it, it's there. I, I just I always try to just dis- I don't want to say discourage, but push him in a different direction. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, right. I
3: just I I know what it's like. I know how hard it is. I know there's someone that's always going to be tougher. Um, and the more you bring to a team, um, obviously, the longer career you're, you're going to play anyway. Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, Sean Brown, he'll be joining us uh, every Tuesday. Great stuff. Uh, when we return, a gentleman who uh, always likes the robust players, Brian Burke, who has done uh, every job in the National Hockey League from GM. He worked for the league. Now he is the ex- executive director of the Professional Women's Hockey League Players Association. And he just got inducted into USA Hockey Hall of Fame. He'll join us next on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We continue on Tuesday afternoon. Jason Gregor, Sean Brown with you on Sports 1440. Gregor Show is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. You can get involved. You can text us at 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Uh Brian Burke is going to uh, join us momentarily as we go around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's, and you can try the McDonald's Tasty Breakfast Trio. Get a sausage or chicken McMuffin or sausage and chicken McGriddles with a hash brown and a small premium roast coffee for only $5. A little blue bill right now at McDonald's. And uh, who doesn't like uh, good uh, Mickey D's breakfast? So good. Now, now if they got banana bread, that might be a game changer. We'll have to talk to Chad and them about the uh, banana bread. We'll see, ya, Brownie. I'm waiting patiently. We, we might have to open that in honor of Struts. <laughs> just when it just when he comes on,
3: let, we might have to open that. Just let it breathe, right? Yeah, now, you huh? know what?
2: Yeah, is it like a good wine? We got to You kind of got to let it yeah, breathe a yeah. little
3: bit. You felt the weight of that, that right? That like, it that's is dense. a heavy loaf of bread. That's dense, right? Yeah, it's, so, that's
2: what you want. Yeah, right. The
3: rookie move by me, not bringing any water. Because you know, if I have a piece of that, it's going to be sticking to the top of my mouth. Oh
2: well, I think we got—we'll uh, get you a glass. Oh, okay, we got some. We got a big—a uh, <laughs> big jug of water. So uh, that's always good. So um, we will get to—I uh, don't Brian Burke in a second. We'll uh, sort that one out. Uh, got lots. Hey guys, uh, Sean, coach my uh, nephew in minor hockey—absolute booty from Gruff. We'll get to that. You've been coaching for a long time. Now, now, are you not involved in our draws in minor hockey in some sense? Now, like, are you overseeing?
3: Strathcona minor, Strathcona minor Hockey. Minor yeah, hockey, okay. so that's where my son played. Um, so I've always been involved. Obviously, last year with me being in Drayton, it was I, I couldn't do it. But um, SOC, the Strathcona, or what did the I forget what it stands for. Anyway, it's just up the street for me. Yeah. Um, so a uh, lot of great people involved in that program. Uh, Steve Blink, the president, uh, just a great guy. Um, very forward thinking. Very open. Uh, happy to be back. Uh, in the association, I've got to talk to quite a few of the the new coaches because it's obviously been some time since since I've been been involved and been back. So a lot of the faces have changed. We still have some familiar fa- one of the one of the familiar guys that I'll be working a lot with. I think is Trevor Ball. He's got a wealth of knowledge. He's had a number of kids that have gone through that association. So so yeah, I, I'm going to be helping out with the coaches, helping out with uh, the players. Um, you know on the ice off the ice
2: so will you be doing skill development coach mentoring what are you doing exactly
3: I, I, honestly it's, it's a little bit of everything okay. I mean you know I, I I've had lots of conversations with you about yours you're involved in minor hockey with your son and there's lots of things that come up throughout a year right oh, yeah. right now obviously it's a pretty stressful time for a lot of families kids mm-hmm. you know you got school and everybody's uh, on the ice trying to make the team that they're they're obviously hoping to make and uh, you know with that You know, now we're trying to pick coaches and find potential coaches and trying to figure out where kids slot. And so a lot of moving parts right now. And I think in our associate, I think there's a lot of really good coaches, a a lot of really good people, um, sometimes are a little bit nervous to maybe step up. Um, so my job is to really, you know, create that relationship with them, be there for them, um, so that they have support and anything they need, whether, uh, you know, maybe that's just through drills, uh, not having anyone with any skin on it, to, to have a conversation about something that's going on with maybe their parent group, coaching group, how to pick, you know, coaches and just basically take advantage of all the experiences that I've had. Um, you know, I don't know everything obviously, you know, and that's, that's probably my biggest strength is that I'm not going to pretend to know everything. My biggest strength is that we can find things out together, uh, as, as a group. Um, but, uh, you know, we just, you know, for for kids to have an opportunity to play, we need the volunteers and we need people stepping up. And it's always the top two tiers that there's never a problem with that.
2: It's the bottom. It's and, the bottom. And you know what? I, I think it's funny because hockey has been proven to be a late developing sport. And so we put so much focus in all of these associations on the double A team at U9 and and U11. And I'm like, some of these kids are some kids come in in Division three and it's their first year playing hockey. All of a sudden they said, you know what? I want to play. Mom and dad like, OK. And this kid could be a really good athlete. So if he doesn't get good coaching, like because his athleticism will allow him to catch up in there. But if you don't have good coaching at that level, and that's why to me, like, I would look at associations and if if I was running, and I've had conversations with guys say, hire a proper coaching mentor, pay the extra money, right? The people that are, if I got to pay an extra 20 bucks, whatever it is, you know, hockey's gross expensive as it is, I understand it. But if I'm pot committed at 500, I'll pay 520 for the year. And if every kid does that, and that takes for this really good coach to go around. And I don't care if your kid's in double A or if you're in tier three, I don't care. But I want them to get the same level of coaching because it matters, right? Like if you, if think about it in school, right? It's, I always find it funny education because let's be honest, we all need an education. Sports is a great thing. It's fun, but anybody who thinks you go into sports because you're going to you're gonna play pro is probably going to be disappointed because the vast majority never do. And that's fine. But you look at our education system. And when you're in the classroom, we don't just, mat- oh, little Johnny's really good at math and little Dave isn't. Well, let's put him in really different groups and Johnny's going to get all the great teaching and little Dave in the corner. Well, sorry, Dave, you're not good at math. Well, that's people will be like, are you stupid? That's a terrible idea. But we kind of do that in hockey. Like, well, we don't have any good volunteers. And I'm like, I think there's guys and gals who would want to help, but they don't have the knowledge. But if you get someone to say, okay, here's, here's 10 practice plans. And-, and if you can read, you should be able to understand the practice plan. And at least now we start at the very simple basic of that. Like, is that, is that too hard to do?
3: No, I think you're right on point. I I think that whether you're, that's the way we look at it is whether you're at the top tier or the lowest tier, we want your experience to be just as good. I think we have a lot of coaches now have a lot of resources. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's Hockey Canada. There's so many websites, right? So if you're a little bit passionate and willing to work at it a little bit, there's there's a lot of information, like you said, practice plans. It's It's all thought, like, it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel here, right? So it's just trying to get that coach that might be a little insecure, a little, maybe it's not his area of strength, you know, you know what it's like. I'm like that. There's times that we all go oh. out on the ice in different situations, and you know, we're sitting there in a rink, and there's 15 parents or whoever sitting there watching us. And you know, they're critiquing you, right? They're breaking <laughs> that down, right? If, oh, you didn't see them do this. You didn't see him. You know, it, it goes on, right? And it's, you got to have some thick skin and you got to be confident.
2: And I uh, think you also have to be attentive as a coach. Like, I think if you're, if you commit to being there, when you're there for that hour for practice, you got to watch all the little things, and so you get in there. And if you're just practicing crossovers at a young age, and you got two kids that can do it well, well, then challenge them to add in something else, but make sure little yeah. and get right in there and encourage them because most I found with kids, most of them want to get better, right? And so you have to incorporate, find a way to have games, and then mix in the skill and learn and development and how to cross that over. And like I, when it was easy to play, um, uh, we used to play cops and robbers. When the kids were U7. Now you get to U11. Guess what? They still love to play coughs and Robert. It's just way harder as a coach because now i got to try way harder to catch him, right? I'm sweating bullets out there after yeah. three minutes, and the kids are wondering, like, what's the problem? But when they're seven, I was like, this is way easier. So, you know, as you get older, it's like, well, you know what? Is there a young – is there one of the kids – Is anybody you guys have an older brother in, like, you, 17 might want to come out? Because he can go chase the kids, and that'll be great. Yeah.
3: It's got to be fun. Yeah. You, you know, you got to play games. you got to make it fun for them. you got to be able to teach them, and then you got to create that – that that small area game experience to keep them engaged, for sure. Um, You know, you're only as strong, too, as the people you have around you, right? I was lucky that, you know, when I was coaching, I had a lot of great fathers and people that wanted to be a part of it, right? So a lot of the heavy lifting wasn't just done by me, right? And so I really relied and counted on my, uh, you know, the guys around me to... You know, you're only one guy, and you're looking at the big picture, right? And so, Trevor Ball, Travis Horiatchka, you know, Trevor Wright, there were guys that went out, you know, and would make those little touches and those little adjustments that that are a big deal to kids, right? Because um, they do want to get better. They're eager. They want to go. But you know, getting back to your point, you know, having a plan uh, and making sure you're prepared, um, you know, is obviously important.
2: And uh, we're very excited now to uh, welcome in a gentleman who was just inducted into the United States Hockey Hall of Fame. He has a lengthy resume, Stanley Cup champion. He's worked uh, for GM of multiple teams, president of hockey operations, worked for the National Hockey League. And now he's also the executive director of the new Professional Women's Hockey League Players Association, Brian Burke joins us. Uh, Burkey, welcome back to the show. First of all, man, congratulations, Hall of Famer. That's got a nice
4: ring to it. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited about that. Growing up in Minnesota for an American kid, it's a big deal to go into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. So it's a big deal for me. I wish my dad had been around to see it because he used to really get excited about the the Olympic and national team stuff.
2: Well, I'm sure wherever he is, Brian, uh, he's super excited. Now, you have always been a huge proponent of the players. Even, you know, when you work for the league, when you're a GM, uh, when you're executive, whatever your role was, you're a huge advocate for the players. So to me, from an outside perspective, it seems like, well, this is a, a great fit. Obviously, you have the law background to understand the Players Association. You know, this new league, I think, is fantastic for the women to have one league. Tell us kind of how this came about and what has you so excited to be part of the uh, Players Association for the new women's professional hockey league
4: well jason i'm going to add one thing to what you said about being a player's guy is i've been a huge fan a huge supporter of women's hockey since nagano for 25 years and i've been an active supporter a season ticket holder uh, on the board of the cwhl like i really believe in the game i love the game so when they approached me about it I, i thought i was one of the people they were interviewing it was one interview, and then they said, you yeah, have a second interview. And I thought, okay, well, that's good. I got a second interview. And in the second interview, they said, we'd like to offer you the job. I started crying. I was like, to me, it was like a dream come true. Like I, people have told me, you know, if you could have waited, you would have got an NHL job. And I'm like, yeah, I would have. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But I said, I I couldn't, I wouldn't have waited for anything for this. The chance of in this game with the women and like you say, Jason, with the new program, with the Unified League, the proper financial backing, it's fantastic.
2: So you look at this league, and, and I love that, you know, they've got average player salaries, got to be 55000 they have a salary cap, similar to the National Hockey League and everything like that. So when you look at it, from all of your experience in the NHL, what are some of the things that right away you're like, I have to ensure that our players association has this going forward?
4: Well, I, first off, the, the, the players did negotiate a collective bargaining agreement with the league, and it is a unique situation where they, before the league even opened for business, they opened the, they negotiated CBA. So we're going to have some wrinkles to work through with the with the new group. You never think of everything when you do a new deal. We're going to have some wrinkles and think through it. We'll we'll start working on that. In the meantime, the spirit so far is collaborative. Let's let's work out what's best for everyone here. So that's that's my mindset going in. That's what the the women are telling me they want. That's what the league is saying they want, so it's uh my view is we should be able to all get along here for a while
2: and you've seen it on both sides being part of the, you know the, the management for, for a team individually and then of course uh, working for the league so I, I think you understand all the nuances now this is very unique of course because it's it's the first year it started up uh, you have a really good talent pool I think what's great about this is finally we're going to see the best women in the world playing each other all the time, and that's going to help Finland and Sweden and Russia and the Czech, Czechia and them to hopefully catch up to the U.S. and Canada and make it more competitive. In your initial conversations when they approached you, Brian, what were they looking for in an executive director? Like, what are they hoping that you bring to them?
4: Well, I I told them I think the number one thing they've got to do, we've got to work on is growth. We've got a brand-new league, brand-new product. It's the most exciting time it's ever been for women hockey. No question about it. There's one league finally. They're well back. They've got proper staffing and funding. Like it's never been, the players, the women, have never been given this good a chance to succeed. So right now the goal is make this work. Let's make this successful and build on it from there.
2: Brian Burke joins us on Sports 1440. Of course, he is the uh, the new executive director for the uh, Players Association and the uh, Women's Professional Hockey League. Also uh, just announced that he's going into the United States uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, pretty pretty big week, uh, really with those two announcements, Brian. And you know, you look at the, you know, it's very like it's not lost on me. There's the original six, and now there's the original six, and, and it's out east, and it makes a lot of sense. Although I know Minnesota's Central Time, but it makes sense these cities. So when you talk about growth, how much of growth is just about exposure rather than necessarily more teams? Like, how do you ensure that the, the Players Association we we have enough good players that if we expand to eight teams or whatever it is down the road. We know we do it at the right time where it's not going to set the league back a bit.
4: I, I think, Jason, based on my view of hockey, there's already enough for a couple more teams, okay. but I like the approach. I think you're right, Jason. Let's go, let's walk and then crawl and then run. But Let's get these, let these six teams going. I like the original six concepts, three Canadian, three American. Let's build this up and get it to where it's successful and then we'll look at adding teams. But right now, the main... The, the main thing is if you, you talk to the average person in Edmonton, say, they said, you support women's hockey, and they'll all raise their hand. Yeah, I support women's hockey. How many of you have gone to a game where you bought a ticket to watch the women play? Very few people raise their hands. People have not historically paid to watch women play sports. You know why? Because they never got a chance to. So this is a chance for women that support women athletes. Yeah, I'm going to buy tickets to those games. I'm going to go. I'm going to be a fan. It's working in women's soccer. The, the new teams in the U.S. soccer, the National Women's uh, Soccer League. That that new league is drawing well. The the elite team leagues in uh, England are drawing well. So people now they got a chance to buy tickets, support their women's team. Guess what? They're doing it.
2: So that leads me to a question. You mentioned... Oh, you is, having,
4: Sean gonna, is Sean going to ask anything? Brown, you know what? Hey, Berkey,
2: this is Brownie's first day co host and He's like, I'm really nervous that I get to talk to Brian Burke. It's hilarious. He's very nervous. Yeah, Brownie, come on. Get involved. Yeah,
3: first of all, Berkey, I got to congratulate you on your induction. Um, Well-deserved. I'm a huge fan. Um, I uh, listened to your book twice. Uh my wife's a big fan. I wish I, I uh would have had an opportunity to play for you. I just admire the way you go to bat for your for your players and just the way you handle yourself. So first of all I just want to get you know, this is really exciting for me. Obviously a little bit nervous. Uh having a daughter though, um I guess if you were to look forward to the end of the season and it being done, what is there anything that is kind of something measurable that that you would be like, hey, this was a success that you guys are looking to maybe build off of?
4: Well, I think the first thing you look for when you measure a league success, Sean, thank you for the kind comments, I appreciate that. I think the first thing you look for is quality of play throughout the six teams. You want some parity, you want some playoff competition, you want some integrity and competitiveness within the league. That would be number one. We've got lots of big name players, lots of star players, and I think this will be a chance where they like, I, I, I tell these stories and people think I'm making this up, but you guys would all know this. You would have seen this. When I worked for Calgary, I was a season ticket holder at the Calgary Inferno. And I would go and say hi to the girls before a game. And I'd watch while one of them had to wait while the other two, two were taping her stick, taping her shin pads, and the next two girls had to wait for the tape. They were waiting for tape. These are pro hockey players. And then nursing sticks, through a, I'd finish a game with a stick because I can't afford to break one. So they're they're taking all those restrictions away, and now it's a chance to let's give the women the right atmosphere, give them good venues, give them good travel schedules, give them good meal money, do it all right, and let's see what we got here. I think we got a really exciting product.
2: Brian, is there talk at all, maybe not in year one, but you mentioned how giving fans the opportunity to see a game and pay for it. With the the six, would you have um, a regular season game in Calgary once a year or Edmonton? Is there talk about that at all down the road?
4: Yeah, there is. That's a great question, Jason. There, there's. This is where the NHL I think can help the most, is with shoulder programming, where they'll put games in neutral site games, like you just mentioned. Play a game in Calgary, or play uh, an All Star game. If you're going to play the Outdoor Classic in Edmonton, uh, let's let's play a women's game there. Let's play a three on three skills at the at the NHL All Star game. Let's uh, go on the Heritage Classic. So. The league is already looking at really exciting ideas on how to build our, our venue and our brand uh, with their help and their support. And I think they're going to end up being a great partner in this.
2: Awesome. Uh, well, Brian, we look forward to seeing the growth of it. I know we'll talk to you often uh, throughout this. Uh, obviously, the draft is coming up. That's going to be a, a big moment, pretty exciting, very unique because you're drafting rookies, but also very established group of players. It, like, I kind of actually, I really like it. I, I think that's a fantastic way. You had the three big free agent signings for each team, and now you have the draft. And um, as a as a member, because you are so used to being kind of with the team, when you sit back and you watch the draft, is there anything you'll be looking for?
4: Just just the women that I know that play, that I've watched play, just hoping they do well and get drafted early, get drafted to the team they want to play for. But other than that, no, it's just exciting. And the draft, you got to remember, you guys, you saw me sit through it enough. If you got a high pick, the draft is fun, and if you don't, it sucks. So <laughs> as an NHL executive, you got the, you got the Sadines. yeah, it was a fun draft. If you got, you got Chris Pronger, yeah, it was a fun draft. If you don't have a high pick, if you're picking twenty five or twenty six, it's pretty slow.
2: Yeah, well the good news is here it's uh one to six and then they go right back down a snake draft, so the six gets the two picks in a row, uh kinda like fantasy football draft. And you uh, lose uh, me there? No, no, I can hear you. And with only six teams, then it's uh then it's a lot better. So uh Brian, we really appreciate your time here today and continued success.
4: Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm sorry I was late. Got some confusion on things here. My my fault. Oh, no problem, Brown. No problem, Berkey. We appreciate it. That is uh, Brian Burke,
2: Hall of Famer in the uh, United States Hockey Hall of Fame and is the executive director for the Professional Women's Hockey League. Megan, you know, Brownie, you know not have a daughter playing. I think it's it, it's great for girls who play hockey now that they have a league to aspire to play in.
3: I think that's so important, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, when girls can see other girls having success and playing at a level uh, with that type of credibility, um, yeah, it can only fuel, uh, you know, and inspire more girls to get involved. You know, I to be honest with you, I'm one of those guys. I haven't watched a lot of girls hockey. I watch it locally when I'm, you know, around the rinks and stuff. But I have caught a few games on TV, and I'm I'm amazed at how far the game has come, yes. how fast they are. Uh, how well they shoot the puck, just their overall skill. So there's been some great coaches, and um, there's obviously been a lot of attention uh, put uh, towards women's hockey, and we're seeing it. And having a guy like Berkey, there couldn't probably be a better guy to have. Well, he's, in-
2: he'll be very outspoken, yeah, and, and I think he has a lot of experience that's going to guide them in the right direction because, you know, like anything, thankfully there's one league because I've argued this for many years. Like they, they were butting heads and you had too many people at the top making decisions that didn't really care about the women's game. they were like, they wanted to protect their league mm-hmm. and not the women's game. Like this is 10 years in the making since Haley Wickenheiser said 10 years ago, we need one league. Yeah. It took 10 years for them to figure it out, which is unfortunate. But now that it's here, I think it'll be good. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back on the Jason Greger show live on sports 1440. And you're watching on orders nation YouTube.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: 348. Welcome back. Jason Greger Show with our Tuesday co-host, Sean Brown. Uh, former NHL. I love it. Brownie's first day co-hosting. First time ever (laughs) co-hosting. He's 35 minutes into the show and Berkey's calling you out. Hey, is Brownie going to ask a question over there? I love it. I love it. Hey,
3: you know what? Throw into in the fire, kid. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I didn't even know what to do. I mean, it's Brian Burke, right? (laughs) I'm I'm in Ah. awe of even talking to the guy. I've never met him. I love him. I I love everything that he stands for. I've I've had to take my shirt off here because my temperature, my body just... Skyrocketed. Well,
2: dude, I can tell you, honestly, it's like, I, I think, seriously, they think we're in, like, training in the studio. <laughs> honestly, it's gross hot in here, yeah. and I made the mistake of wearing a long sleeve shirt today. It's absolutely brutal. So, yeah, we've uh, we've put out the request, like, I don't know what it is, like, turn the take a few logs off the fire, because, my goodness, it's like, I'm going to be shirts yeah, off little, here pretty
3: soon. I got a little bead here for that. I'm YouTube. not sure
2: anybody on YouTube wants to see that, yeah. but, well, uh, you never know. So, say, sorry if, uh, if you're watching, but also subscribe to our uh, our uh, YouTube channel at Orders Nation. Uh, anybody who subscribes before the start of the regular season, you're in the draw. We're going to be giving away some uh, tickets. So uh, that'll be fun because the order is going to be an entertaining team. Uh, speaking of the oil, let's get to the uh, oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. Right now you can finance a new demo or certified pre-owned Volvo for as low as 1.49%. Only at Canada's best Volvo dealership, VolvoEdmonton.com, and they have their first all-electric vehicle as well, the E60. Oof, I saw a version of it the other day. Looks good. If that's something you want to try, so uh, check it out. Stop in. Uh, say hi to Jordy, Mike, and the crew down there at Volvo Edmonton. Uh, if you missed it earlier today, the Edmonton orders. Uh, I said it last week. I heard some rumblings that you know they were looking at maybe bringing in someone else, and they did. Uh, Adam Earn. Adam Ernie from the Detroit Red Wings, you know, big winger. He's on a PTO. I think realistically, he's probably a guy who when you look at the order's depth chart and you're like, hey, you know what? There's they're one injury away from lots of guys getting opportunities here on the forward group. They're probably going to have to start the season with only 12 forwards. So, you know what? Uh, Ernie, Sutter, Gagne. Now, will all of them sign two way contracts or one way? We'll see. I guess it depends. Uh, you know, they, they got some young guys in Bakersfield. But when you look at their rookie team, and they announce it today, and they'll give you the lineup, the owners don't have a bunch of guys, Brownie. So, w- you because you were a young guy in the NHL, you know, you're coming up, and, and then you're in the American League for a bit. It's important to have some veterans around when you're in the American League, isn't it?
3: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, they lead the way and lead by example. Uh, you know, I, we're, I mean, obviously, they're bringing in guys that are – You know, of high character, uh, you know what you're getting. Um, But they're a big part of just your culture and establishing, you know, what it's like to be a pro. You know, you're coming out a junior. You know, obviously, everyone's a pretty good junior hockey player, and there's just another level of everything on the ice, off the ice, and just how you have to conduct yourself in every way, right? And so, having those guys there um, to show you that uh, and to just lend that experience, you know, was is obviously very valuable, and that's obviously what the Oilers have done. With bringing Sam back, you you know, it'd be interesting to see how all this, you know, unfolds because, you know, you know what you're getting from those guys. You don't know exactly what you're getting from your from your young guys. Um So it's kind of a safe bet. You know, you bring those guys in and we're all excited to see where it all plays out.
2: Yeah, the orders uh, they announced. Here's the forwards at the orders. Because uh, there's some camp invites that obviously won't be playing in the uh, in the American League. Uh, this year, but if you look at guys like Carl Berglund, Xavier Borgo, uh, Jake on, of course, uh, you know Jaden Gruby, who they just uh, uh, acquired uh, out of, out of Red Deer. You've got uh, Matt Vay Petrov, Carter Savoy, uh, Tyler. Uh, Tulio, those are the forwards. I got a lot of uh, another, bunch, lots of other camp invites to fill out the roster. And then on the back end, you have draft picks, uh, Boakey, who's going to be back in junior. And then you have, uh, Max Weiner, who's also back in junior. The rest are all camp invite guys. So, uh, it's, it's pretty inexperienced blue line. There, there's not a lot of youth. Like the youth on the orders blue line in the organization are guys like Philip Broberg and Marcus Niemelainen, who are, who are right here. And you know, either in the NHL or knocking on the door uh, to be in the NHL. Then there's some veterans like a Gleason who they signed. He's going to make 450 uh, k to be in the American League uh, to start. He's on a on a two way deal. If he if he makes the NHL club, which I don't expect, but uh, then he'd obviously be at the 750 mark or 775, excuse me. But um, you know, Borgo is going to that camp. Some people thought he wouldn't. I think it makes sense uh, for him to go uh, to that rookie tournament because you know Borgo. The odds of Borgo making this team are very low. But here's an opportunity for him. Like, you coach, guys. You know, you were just recently coaching Junior A last year. The mindset of Borgo to go into that tournament should be like, I should dominate this tournament so when I come to main camp, I can earn myself a few more preseason games.
3: Absolutely. And you never know. I mean, he's in the Oilers. You know, he's with the Oilers right now. But you're going in there to dominate that camp, as you said, and then come to the main camp and have a good showing, but you're also because of hockey and the environment that he's going to be in. There's a lot of eyes there. Everyone's everyone wants a player, right? So, um, you know, you're trying to showcase yourself, you know, as much, uh, as for the Oilers as you are for other teams out there. So, um, you know, it's important that, uh, you know, he goes there, like I said, and has a good showing, you know, brings it in the training camps and, and tries to make those decisions, uh, tough. I always kind of wonder now with the, the the way today's game in and bringing these guys in, like how much opportunity is there? You know, there's there's certain guys that are obviously gonna. You don't, you can't, you can't start a season in in struggle. You got to be ready to go, right? So uh, it's got to be tough going into camp uh, and trying to make a name for yourself. Where I think when I came in the camp, there might have been a little bit more of an opportunity, um, but. You because know, the
2: team wasn't as good, right? Is that the what team you're saying? wasn't yeah. as good,
3: and just everything's kind of, the whole game has changed. You know, they get, uh, they, they hit the ground running. You can't afford to, you know, uh, come out of the gate slow, especially the Oilers now with how good they are and the expectations. they got the two best players in the world on their team. There's a ton of excitement, well-deserved, and, you know, so they want to make sure that, you know, this training camp, not only are they giving their prospects, I think, opportunity and a good look, but they're really looking to really figure out combinations and where they are as a team.
2: I want to ask you because you play the position defense, and there is lots of people wondering oh, Broberg DeHarnay. Now, DeHarnay is a natural right shot, right? He's bigger, he's more physical. Broberg skates better. He's a left shot, probably a little bit more mobile. How do you how do you see that uh, battle playing out? And do you think because DeHarnay is on his natural side, does he automatically have an advantage?
3: Well, I think some guys, yeah, I mean. You're always trying to see guys, and they obviously, you know, are very aware of their tendencies and have been following these guys throughout, you know, their whole career. Um, some guys play better on their offside too. Um, some guys just for whatever reason kind of compliment each other just because of the style that they play. You know, some guys, you know, uh, you know, might, you know, enjoy jumping up and and taking a little bit more risk where other guys really take great pride in just staying back and allowing other guys to really, you know, do their thing. So um, the combinations I'm sure have been talked about, you know, throughout the summer. Um, but a lot of that, you know, has probably been a, a ton of video and trying to find some tendencies. And and to be honest with you, a lot of it would be conversations that they would be having with the guys. If I was coaching, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, no better way to find out what a guy wants and who he wants to play with um by just having that conversation who do you like they're on the ice with each other they're practicing they know every player knows a player and they all know who they want to play with and who they would do well playing with they know other guys strengths that would complement their strengths
2: so you'd be so if you're Dave Manson you're asking Brett Kulak
3: I think I would have those guys. It doesn't, yeah. I think today's game, why not? You got to have more conversations now than you ever had. You know, make them feel a part of it, get them involved, get them buying in. Um, you know, the more they feel a part of the team and a part of their own success, it, it could only help. So if I'm Dave Manson, I, I'm, I'm having that conversation. Doesn't mean I have to listen to him, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's good to. To get their side and why and, and things will start to pop out on you maybe too. As a coach, you'll start to see yeah. maybe things that you haven't seen before.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, Jason Greger, Sean Brown with you. That's the oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. Let's get to the con man and a sports center update brought to you by Ewell from LED lighting audits and retrofits to design built distribution systems. Ewell's service can give you the edge you need to impress your clients. EWEL.ca. Here's Connor Howland.